Follow me on this. Do you have a dog? Does a dog look you in the eye? A dog that doesn't look you in the eye doesn't love you. Sure, you sit together, play together, but this is a relationship of convenience. This is a dog that will turn on you. This trait is not limited to the canid world. People do it too. Friends, spouses, colleagues, politicians. It's where we are today, and it may be soon a matter of survival who you trust. And one thing I can tell you without a moment's hesitation is there's one who will look you in the eye. And we even let him on the furniture. He's Dan Newman. Oh, my God. <laughs> They're finally going to let me uh, sit on my sofa. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to TNN Live. Yeah, we've on the downside now of a week. We've had a busy week. But boy, what a shocking day yesterday was with massive developments on pretty much every front regarding the United States and almost, well, maybe just half of our dilemmas at the national level. And by the way, the state level. Did you hear what Texas Governor Greg Abbott did late yesterday afternoon? This is in the wake of the debacle over who controls the southern border of Texas and trying to get an understanding of what the heck is going on with the Biden administration just opening up our southern border. And Greg Abbott and Texans have had enough. We are poised on a battle between Texas and the U.S. federal government. And I'm not joking. I'm not over-exaggerating. They, the Texans, have decided to do something that I thought should have been done a long time ago. Hold Washington, D.C. accountable for their very own law-breaking. And, oh, by the way, go back to the U.S. Constitution and just give Joe Biden a lesson in civics. Is it civics or just political American history? Whichever you want it to be. We're going to break that down. That's our first story and probably biggest story of not just today, but for years and years to come. That and much, much more. Right after we hear a little song that certainly describes what we are dealing with in America today. This one's from the 60s.
That's kind of a cool 60s ending to that song, isn't it? Well, he was right on. Something in the air. We certainly know there is. And folks, things are getting really serious about illegal immigration. Listen to what happened late yesterday, yesterday afternoon. Republican Texas Governor Greg Abbott, he doubled down on Texas's constitutional right to self-defense. Days after the court, Supreme Court ordered the Texas National Guard to remove barbed wire to keep illegal migrants out. The Supreme Court, in a 5-4 decision on Monday of this week, they agreed to vacate an injunction that temporarily blocked Border Patrol from cutting wire Texas had placed along the border. Texas authorities appeared to ignore that ruling, with a video circulating on social media showing authorities setting up razor wire for the border in Eagle Pass, Texas. And the case made its way to the high court after the Biden administration sued. Now, the federal government has broken the compact between the United States and the states. This was in a letter Abbott fired back to Washington late yesterday. This is serious. Listen to what the Texas governor has told the Biden administration. Quote, the executive branch of the United States has a constitutional duty to enforce federal laws protecting states, including immigration laws on the books right now. President Biden has ignored Texas's demand that he perform his constitutional duties. And he even gave Mr. Biden a political history lesson. James Madison, Alexander Hamilton, and the other visionaries who wrote the U.S. Constitution, they foresaw that states should not be left to the mercy of a lawless president who does nothing to stop external threats like cartels smuggling millions of illegal immigrants across the border. But Abbott wasn't finished. Citing Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution, which says the federal government shall protect each state against invasion. And Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3 says, the states have a sovereign interest and protecting their borders. And here's the synopsis. Quoting Texas Governor Greg Abbott, the failure of the Biden administration to fulfill the duties imposed by Article 4, Section 4 has triggered Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3. It reserves to this state the right of self-defense. For these reasons... I have already declared an invasion under Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3 of the Constitution to invoke Texas's constitutional authority to defend and protect itself. That authority is the supreme law of the land and it supersedes any federal statutes to the contrary. The Texas National Guard, the Texas Department of Public Safety, and other Texas personnel are acting on that authority 
as well as state law, to secure the Texas border. Border Patrol agents have recorded a record-breaking amount of illegal migrants. More than 2.2 million illegal migrant encounters were recorded in fiscal year 2022 at the southern border and more than 2 million in fiscal year 2023. And that's from the Biden administration. Texas authorities took control of Shelby Park and Eagle Pass on January 11th, and they did so after Abbott declared an emergency. The Department of Homeland Security then alleged that Texas prevented Border Patrol agents from responding to a drowning two days later. Biden's Department of Justice then admitted in a January 15th court filing that by the time federal authorities were notified of the drownings, the incident had already occurred. (laughs) How can there be a notification of a drowning if the drowning hadn't happened yet? We are living in our last days. This nation, our country, is coming apart at the seams. I don't ever remember, at least in my lifetime, where any Texas or any other state governor had to inform the federal government, you're not doing your duty. The Constitution gives the federal government sole authority over all border issues. And thankfully, the forefathers put a clause, a couple of them in our Constitution, that demands the federal government do just that. And when they don't, the state can take action to either force the federal government to do their constitutional duties, which are specified, and that Texas and any other state in this same situation or similar has the sole right to do whatever is necessary to make sure their state is taking care of their state because The federal government refuses or does not do so. And it just so happened this week, this week, Joe Biden declared an immigration emergency, the president of the United States. I must be honest and tell you succinctly, it is unquestionable at this point. Federal government, Joe Biden, Alejandro Mayorkas have fallen way short of their constitutional duties in protecting not just Texas, but all 50 states. In fact, eight other governors have vocally and in writing reached out supporting this letter that Joe Biden sent to the White House. Now, what do you think is going to happen? Seriously. So here's what the Democrats responded with. You're going to love this. As Abbott continues to talk about Texas's right to self-defend itself from a migrant invasion, Democrat lawmakers now are calling on President Biden to take control of Texas's National Guard. Now, you just heard Abbott's letter. 
And so this is what they're going to come back with. How could any governor not agree with what Greg Abbott is telling Washington, D.C. right now? If you don't have a state, you don't have a nation. And if you have a nation and you don't have states, you have pure chaos. Do you think maybe that's a little bit of what's happening here? Don't you look at where we are across our nation, top to bottom, left to right. Look at the individual pockets that are being just turned upside down under this president. And when I say turned upside down, maybe, maybe even kicked to the curb. No considerations. This administration packs illegals that have come across illegally. The Biden administration, first of all, did not stop them from coming across, but the Constitution and immigration laws make it very clear the first thing you're supposed to do, government, is you're supposed to turn these people around and send them back, deport them immediately to the country they came from. Have you seen Biden do any of that? Not a bit. And so everything from that point on, it's made up, it's put together, it's figured out and implemented with no thought or conversations with any of these states that they're flooding these illegals to. And if anybody wants to argue with me about what Joe Biden and his administration is not doing or doing at the southern border, there's one thing that has arisen from this massive invasion that has been instigated by Joe Biden and his, I guess, his king of world immigration, Alejandro Mayorkas, Homeland Secretary of Security. They started this thing, and it's turned almost into a war. Governor Abbott mentioned in his letter, I didn't read you every every minute of it, because it, it's pretty lengthy, very, very well written, as I'm sure it would be. But he mentioned, because of Joe Biden, solely because of Joe Biden taking actions that he has taken, allowing our southern border be open like it is, one thing that has happened and one thing only is sufficient to do and take whatever actions Abbott and the state of Texas are going to do. 110,000 Americans, young Americans, died last year from fentanyl poisoning. And every bit of that fentanyl came across our southern border, and most of it came through Texas. People like me, shows like mine, we don't have a political dog in the hunt. We really don't here. We're independent We're not affiliated with any network. I own this whole operation, and I'm the the place where they say the buck stops. If there's anything that we do wrong here, illegal, even immoral, if it's immoral, I answer to Marianne Newman and Denny Duran. That's my wife and my pastor. He's also my brother. I don't have any obligation for anything here that we talk about, how we do it, what we say, because of the First Amendment. You're going to hear a little bit more about the First Amendment in court hearings that have happened this week. 
today's show and the information here, the things that you may, we have maybe mentioned and we may have talked about a little bit, but not deeply, that's all gone. Today, folks, the serious stuff is coming down. This America, this one right here, the only one we have, is in deep trouble. And unless the ship is righted quickly, we're sunk. And I'm not saying that hypothetically or trying to scare people to death. Convince me otherwise. I'm waiting. 1-866-37-TRUTH. 1-866-378-7884. You want to chat? Give me a call. I love going all natural. It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all-natural, juicy, grass-fed beef. Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food, with no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids, only at Carl's Jr. When your cable company keeps you on hold, you get angry. When you get angry, you go blow off steam. When you go blow off steam, accidents happen. When accidents happen, you get an eye patch. When you get an eye patch, people think you're tough. When people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a roadside ditch. Get rid of cable and upgrade to DirecTV. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. We design smarter ways to detect motion for emergency dispatch in seconds. We create HD cameras so you can see what's happening in your home from anywhere. All powered by Fast Protect technology, exclusively from Simply Safe for faster police response. Because in here, your safety is the only thing that matters. Advanced home security, 24-7 professional monitoring. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Clarity of thought, clarity of vision, clarity of message. Real truth, real news. TNN, the Truth News Network. Again, Dan Newman. We're just getting started today, folks. I want to point something out. Yesterday, we informed you, or day before yesterday, we have we have Steve Baker and his bevy of attorneys that are working with him on his case because of the threats made against him by the Department of Justice. They're having an afternoon press conference in Dealey Plaza. If those of you are familiar with Dallas, you know that's right downtown, and that is the spot where President John F. Kennedy was assassinated. They're having an open press conference there. We were planning on going there and doing the show live, depending on the time they're doing it today. But we've we've run into a a roadblock that we can't get our get our way through. We didn't have enough time. We didn't get the notice about nailing it down for this afternoon until last night. But Steve will be with us with an update live in tomorrow morning's show. It won't be a long segment, 
but he's going to break it down for us and tell us what's happening. I'm going to make a prediction for you. When he comes here, I'm going to ask him, did they take a census of how many and who the people were that were at that press conference? I will bet you the Department of Justice will have a bunch of people in Dealey Plaza. And you might say, Dan, how would they know that? Listen, what's this all about? The Department of Justice wants Steve Baker to know when they're around. They're doing everything they can to stop him. And I started to say everything I can or they can to stop him short of going to jail. That's what they're threatening to do now, to come up with some Trump charge that they can use against him. Maybe one of the misdemeanor charges for him going into the U.S. Congress, the Capitol building, going in there is a misdemeanor. And they're even talking about changing that and ramping it up to put him in jail so they can shut him up. This is not just a conversation about the First Amendment, folks. It's about everything our nation stands for and stands on. This nation, under this president, is minutes, minutes away from coming apart at the seams because of the not enforcing federal laws. People, bad people, thrive on chaos and uncertainty. Don't you think we have plenty of that? But we're not, we're not finished with dropping some bombs on you today. Yesterday afternoon, information leaked out of that Senate budget bill that we've been talking about for weeks, but nobody's seen yet. The Senate's hiding it. They're going to wait till the last minute and then dump it out on the Republican-controlled House and demand a vote in two days. It's probably going to be a 2,000-page bill. They do it every time. This is a Chuck Schumer speciality. Yesterday afternoon, a number of Senate Republicans, they got really concerned with this ongoing border deal that's part of that budget bill and the negotiations between the White House and Republican leadership, expressing their frustration with, get this, a number of leaked proposals that are being considered and saying they would never vote for the bill. According to sources engaged on the border bailout, the proposals go beyond already reported leaks. The current framework under consideration would drastically change immigration law in the nation. That's according to Missouri Senator Josh Hawley, Utah Senator Mike Lee, and Texas Senator Ted Cruz. They all spoke yesterday about what they have heard about the ongoing negotiations, and they reacted to leaked proposals. Now, what are these proposals? Well, get, let me just give you some of them. Number one, legally establish 5,000 illegal aliens entering the country every day and making that as the new norm. In other words, that's our target. We want 5,000 every day. That would require the crisis to hit that number before the president could invoke Title 42 authority. 
effectively forcing Americans to, at minimum, accept another 1.8 million illegal aliens a year. That was number one. Number two, provide amnesty to a documented dreamer class taking care of a quarter of a million people whose parents replaced American workers under the deeply flawed H-1B guest worker program. Amnesty. Amnesty. Number three, keep the mass parole programs in place, provided illegal immigrants enter through American airports, not at the border. Now remember this, we're paying for their flights. Oh my gosh. Next, give quicker work permits to illegal aliens likely committing asylum fraud by ending the 180-day wait period. Next, expand the already vast network of free benefits like, you know, legal services for illegal aliens, adding to the services that American taxpayers are already funding to the tune of hundreds of billions of dollars per year. Next, funnel billions of dollars to the corrupt NGOs, non-government organizations that profit. We, the American people, are sending them blank checks and they're taking our money and then finding their they're supposed to be nonprofits, but they're finding ways to hang on as much of the our federal dollars and what they're supposedly doing. And what is that? Transporting, lodging, and helping illegal aliens enter the country every day. I'm going to stop right there and just point this out. These NGOs, numbering among them, are multiple of those that took now, the number's up over 100,000 unaccompanied minors. Alejandro Mayorkas, his Homeland Security, they turned them over to these NGOs. And these NGOs are supposed to find places for these kids to live. Sometimes foster homes, even sometimes they turn them over to adoption placement centers. But you know what? Joe Biden's Department of Health and Human Services. They have no idea. They can't find where these kids went. Now, just let your imagination run wild. It doesn't take me wrong. I think of the possibilities, and you know how many possibilities I can come up with for where these kids are and what they've done or not done? My number is one. Trafficking, sex, immigrants forced to work, not getting paid, kids I'm talking about, and selling them overseas. Do you know it's common knowledge among the big elites, more kids go missing in the United States, from the United States, children I'm talking about, that are sucked into various illegal activities than any other nation on the planet. And our government is who came up with those statistics, but they don't want us to know about it. Senator Lee introduced a resolution yesterday that would force a public debate among 
Republicans about this border deal before it can be even voted on in order for members to truly understand what's in the package. That's the thing that kills me about these big elites and leaders in government like Chuck Schumer, majority leader of the Senate, and former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. They are the ones that wrote this book to not use regular order when they come up with laws. They have their minions, people that work for them, and they go develop the bills. They don't go through committee hearings. They don't do that anymore. Now the House does because we changed to a Republican-controlled House, at least temporarily. They only have a two-vote majority now. And these people behind closed doors, they put all the bills together, and then the leaders will, they nobody's seen them, nobody knows what's in them, and they'll just put them out in the dark of night to their members to look at. Usually they're a thousand pages or more with all kinds of directive places you got to go. They don't give the details of things. They'll say, here's what's going to happen. We're going to do this, 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 and this according to bill number. And then you have to go through that to find the old bill to see what it's changing in this one. And they do it purposely. And then they call for a vote a few days later before anybody has read everything and gone and gotten all the other resources that are part of that bill that aren't even included in the bill. Senator Lee, he should be a United States Supreme Court justice. He's brilliant. And he's not what we call a hardcore Republican. He's not a big government guy. He's a law guy. And he plainly states what the Constitution says on any issue I've ever heard him talk about. No pontification, no politicization. That uh, letter that he's talking about sending to the Republican senators, it's going around, it's picked up the support of at least nine other senators as of this morning. Folks, it's tough. I wish I had real good news and could talk very positive with you about this. But I just can't do it. I just can't do it. It's really bad. Did you hear about that Ohio Senate that bill that they passed, we talked about it the other day. It was a bill that was passed and uh, it had to be signed into law as they always do at the state and the federal level after the House, the State House and the State Senate do their deal and say grace over it and pass it. And the Ohio governor, he refused to not sign it. He was getting a bunch of push. What was it? The bill was to ban child sex changes in Ohio. And so it was signed into law. And by the way, he's a Republican. But he's still, and he came out and gave a speech. We uh, we didn't play the speech, but I gave you part of what he had to say. And he basically did what happened in the crucifixion time of Jesus. Remember that Roman leader when... Uh, They brought Jesus before him. They brought him before him to give testimony of all the bad things 
Jesus did, and he washed his hands. He literally got a pail of water out in front of him, and he washed his hands in it, saying, I have no part in this. I'll wash my hands of it. Of course, it ended up getting Jesus crucified. That's what the Ohio governor did when he signed it into law. So the left now, (laughs) they're going crazy because two days ago, lawmakers, the state lawmakers in Ohio, they overturned, they overrode that veto. The state Senate voted yesterday, 28 to 4, to pass a bill that would ban sex change surgeries, cross-sex hormones, and puberty blockers for minors, and overrode Republican Governor Mike DeWine's veto from December after the House passed the legislation on January 10th. So now activists and Democrats went after the Ohio GOP and even former President Donald Trump for the decision on the social media platform X. F the Ohio Senate who voted 23-9 to to override the veto of House Bill 68. It will go into effect on May 30th. Join our partners for tomorrow night's town hall. Women's Alliance Action Fund wrote in a post. And there's more. F the Ohio Senate. There's another one. From the Ohio Women's Alliance Action Fund. So the ex-account for the Ohio Democrats also bemoaned the decision in a post arguing that the bill was in defiance of the medical community. Today, Ohio becomes the most restrictive state in the country for gender-affirming health care. Now let's stop right there. Let's stop right there. Listen to how ridiculous, I'm going to make it very short. Gender-affirming health care. Why would anybody expect anybody else to give them authority to look at them and confirm what their sex is? And especially have a bureaucrat, even an elected person, or even a doctor, especially doctors. How in the world can doctors affirm someone's identity, gender identity. It's real simple. It comes based on the plumbing, and doctors can surely make a quick determination of that. And I don't know who comes up with these labels. Gender-affirming health care? It's a psychological thing. And it's usually psychological thing in the parents that allow this to go on. They continued by saying corrupt politicians yet again stripped healthcare freedom, defying the medical community who testified against HB 68. November proved Ohioans are ready for change and next election. Kelly Robinson's the director of human rights campaign. She chastised Republicans and Trump for overturning DeWine's veto. I don't don't know, but I didn't think Donald Trump could overturn anything in the government. He's not in office. Some Some of this stuff came out. I'll give you a couple more. Instead of listening to parents and doctors, Ohio Republicans are bowing to Trump. They just overrode DeWine's veto 
of HB 68. Similar attacks on trans folks are underway in many states. Kelly Robinson wrote that. The Ohio Senate joins the House in overriding government Governor Mike DeWine's veto of a bill that bans gender-affirming care for minors and transgender girls from participating in school sports. That was just kind of a P.S. on the other stuff. DeWine vetoed the ban, this ban, in late December, but he signed an executive order that bans just child sex change surgeries a week later, and the Ohio governor claimed that parents, not the governor, not the government, should decide in these matters. DeWine also received $40,000 between 2018 and 2023 from several Ohio children's hospitals that the governor visited to talk to families about the bill. That's just a little one that nobody knew about. It just came out. Oh, yeah. Governor, yeah. We got a $20,000 check for you just to help you in this cause. And the other hospital has a $20,000 check for you also. Dan Tierney, who is DeWine's press secretary, previously stated that the governor does not have a new comment today. His previous comments of the bill and his veto reflect his position on the issue. So after that Ohio vote, nearly half of the states in the U.S. have put in place legislation to ban sex change procedures for minors. So we got 25 states that haven't acted on it or they have acted on it and made it okay, and 25 have said no. So we just keep digging, right? We just keep digging. Well, Joe Biden, we are told every day now, he is running for re-election in November. I'm beginning to think that uh, he may not make it to November. I think I've heard a song like that. And if you listen to some of the stuff he says, listen, I don't want to make fun of anybody in public office that is a leader, a real leader, especially someone like the U.S. president. Everybody is watching him and looking at the condition of his cognizant cognizant abilities. And every day, something new pops up. But I think we have right now one of the longest Joe Biden gaffes in recorded history. Not to make fun of him, but just to let you hear an example of what in public, often, because the left in media, they won't cover any outside gaffe of this president. They're propping him up just like they did in the previous election in 2020. They want him back because he's controlled They can control him, and he is controlled. So I got sent this one overnight. Listen to Joe Biden. You you got the vaccination? Yeah. Are you you okay? I mean, you seem, no, it works. Or, you you know, or or, or the mom and dad, or or, or the neighbor, or when you go to church, or when you're, no, I, I, I really mean it. There are trusted interlocutors. Think of the people... If, if your kid wanted to find out 
whether or not there were there's a man on the moon or whatever, you know, something or, you know, whether those aliens are here or not. You heard all that. One more time. You 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 got the vaccination? Yeah. Are you, are you OK? I mean, you seem no, it works or you, you know, or, 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 or the mom and dad or or, 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 or or the neighbor or when you go to church or when you're. No, I, I, I really mean it. There are trusted interlocutors. Think of the people. If, if your kid wanted to find out whether or not there were there's a man on the moon or whatever, you know, something or, you know, whether those aliens are here or not. Listen to what I'm going to say. My mother died 13 years ago. Massive, horrible Alzheimer's. I mean, the worst that many doctors that were around her during that time had ever seen. And I lived through everything running up to that, the signs of it before, way before it turned full-blown. And I'm telling you this just to point something out. It is very obvious, and I'm not a doctor. I can't, I can't tell you anything specific about anybody else because I'm not a doctor, and secondly, I'm not with this person Joe Biden every day. If that's not the beginning stages of Alzheimer's, maybe it's not the beginning stages of anything. Maybe it's something pretty big, pretty dangerous, and pretty important that's happening already right now. I am a Christian. I believe the Bible. And I believe where it tells me to pray for those in authority over you. I pray for Joe Biden every day. In fact, right now, let's pray. Father, Joe Biden is the president of the United States. He was duly elected by the laws of the land. And he took the responsibility to serve the people. He's an obvious health decline. We don't understand or know everything, but I pray that you would help him in his mental impairment that he's living in and we're watching now. You would help him through it. And please not let any political actions on either side of the political aisle enter into propping him up when he is past the possibility even of fulfilling his oath of office to the American people. We pray for his health. We pray for his mind. And we pray for you, if you would touch him and help him understand he has issues, very obvious issues, that he's not able to take care of himself. Do your work, God, and we thank you in advance for doing that. It's just like my brother Denny Duran, a pastor, said a long time ago. He flies a lot. He speaks all over the world. And it's very uncomfortable. Now, I'm going to tell you folks this. I just turned 70. He's 71 years old. I don't fly nearly as much as he does. But flying for long periods of time, the older you get, it becomes more and more uncomfortable. And I don't care if you sleep in first class, one of those cocoons that you get if you fly overseas and pay a lot of extra money. I've been in those things before. It is 
very, very nice. But it still doesn't change some of the other discomforts that you have. You know, service used to be the number one thing that drew people to air commercial air flying makes it a whole lot easier to get from one place to another. It's better than a Greyhound bus or driving cross-country, right? Of course, I go overseas pretty regularly, at least in the last couple of decades. You can't you can't drive to get over there, so you're kind of limited. But it's tough. It's tough. When you get older, you start getting older. Things just don't work the same way. What Denny said, and you always, if you're like me, you look when the pilots come through and go in to check in and go get ready for a flight, and I look at them, and I, I, I just look at them, and sometimes they just seem not quite right. And I don't know it. I'm just, you know, you look at them, and it always comes to my mind, especially after he told me this years ago. He said, I may not like one of those pilots. It looks a little strange or something, but if he's a guy that sits in the left seat, that's the pilot. I want him to get me where we're going safely. So I'm not going to say anything or feel any bad thing about him. All I want from him is get me there and get me there safely. I want Joe Biden to be successful from here to the end of his presidency. And I pray that God will get through to him and let him know, buddy, you're not doing a good job. Maybe, just maybe, you need to hang it up. This is your home. This is your family room slash gym, the guest bedroom, slash music studio, the day bed, slash dog bed, the living room, slash yoga shanti, slash regional office, How did you guys do it? slash classroom. And this is the basement, slash panic room. Maybe what your family needs is a vacation home, slash vacation home. Find yours on the Verbo app. Welcome to McDonald's. May I take your order? Hi, can I get a... Uh, can I get a... Can I get in the McDonald's? Ooh, can I get a... Uh, can I get a... Uh, yeah, can I get a... Uh, 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 go, Bubba, go! Uh, 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 pick me! No, pick me! Hey, can I get a... Uh, Ten-piece chicken McNuggets. And what sauce would you like with that? Uh... Should we pick him up? He has Bud Light. He has an axe. But he has Bud Light. And an axe. I'm sure there's a reason for it. Hey, buddy. What's with the axe? It's a bottle opener. Hop in. Refreshingly smooth Bud Light. Always worth it. Look, he has Bud Light. And a chainsaw. Have you ever wanted to learn a new language like French, Spanish, or Russian, but thought it would be too difficult and time-consuming? Then go to Babbel.com and try it for free. Babbel works because it's built around real life. It teaches you everyday practical conversations that you will actually use. In 15 minutes a day, you'll be on your way to speaking a new language in just a few weeks. Babbel uses a modern conversation-based technique that makes language engaging, fun, and memorable. It starts by teaching you words and phrases. Then, sentences gradually get more complex. Soon, you're practicing short conversations about real-life topics. Babbel is created by language experts who use the space repetition method to help you learn quickly and remember. 
what you learned. With Babbel, you can speak a new language. Babbel, language for life. Celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold. Now try Babbel for free at Babbel.com. Just go to Babbel.com and start learning a new language today. That's Babbel.com. B-A-B-B-E-L.com. We're looking back now, analyzing a few things the experts are, and I want to pass along some of their thoughts and their findings on after the Iowa caucus and the first primary of the election season in New Hampshire. Everybody's looking back and drawing their own analysis, turning into a group of analyses when you put all of the so-called experts together, you know, people like CNN and MSNBC and all of the pontificators out there. There's a bunch of them, and they know. They know everything. Yeah, like they all had the 2016 election right on, right? Nobody gave Donald Trump a a chance at all. I was shocked. I got a phone call. I was in the other room. I got a phone call at about 10 o'clock that night, election night in 2016, laughing about Donald Trump beat Hillary Clinton. So in some of the analysis, this comes back. There's a sinister reason Nikki Haley won't drop out now, despite losing losing both both um, both the primary. That gummit. I got blocked out of that story. Well, let me just get into it. Let's see. I know you love this. I hate it when this kind of stuff happens. When you do a live show, sometimes it happens. You can hear me typing, can't you? Da, 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 da. I... Hang with me, folks. I don't think I've ever done this live on the air like this. Not being recognized. Don't you know it would happen? Let me just let you listen. We were going to go right here, but let me let you listen to some CNN so-called experts. I love it when these people say they're experts. And... I want you to listen to their analysis on the Nikki Haley stuff. There's a lot of things that are coming out that just sound like there is frantic chaos. Chaos among those who are the so-called experts on elections. I want you to listen to this group. CNN involved in this. That ought to scare you. (laughs) And Dave Rubin pops up. Interestingly, on the point about the crossover people voting for Nikki Haley, here's some numbers from CNN. About how the rest of the night might play out. Let's go back to David Chalian with that. And David, you're getting more on the ways that Republican primary voters don't see eye to eye. 
Yes, that's right, Jake. In these exit poll results, you see a Mars and Venus universe for Haley and Trump coalitions here. Take a look at the numbers. Among Trump voters, 70% of them, according to our exit polls, are registered Republicans. Donald Trump, his support, 27% of his voters are registered undeclared or independents. Uh, 3% were unregistered before today. Look at how that compares with Nikki Haley. It's a complete reversal. It's an alternate universe. Among Haley voters, 70% are registered undeclared. Only 27% are registered Republicans. We also see this with when asking people, did Joe Biden legitimately win the 2020 election? Which he did. Among Trump voters, 80% say no. They say it wrongly. No, Joe Biden did not legitimately win the 2020 election. Haley voters, it's the complete opposite. 83% of Haley voters say correctly that Joe Biden was the legitimate winner in 2020. Only 15% of our voters say wrongly that he was not. This is the Trump-Haley-Mars-Venus election tonight in New Hampshire. All right, David, thank you so much. Interesting stuff. Uh, Andrew. I've been speaking to voters all day, and there's really been two types of voters generally who I've been speaking to. One, registered Democrats who are writing in Joe Biden as a show of solidarity, a symbolic show of solidarity with the president. And the other, would, uh, which is an undeclared voter who has a more liberal-leading ideology and who seems to be voting for Nikki Haley almost strategically. And one of those voters is with me right now, Christian, a freshman from Dartmouth, or Dartmouth College, rather. Christian, who did you vote for and why? Yeah, so thank you. I voted for Nikki Haley, and it was certainly a strategic vote. Um, I think the DNC is fairly resolute in their nomination for Joe Biden. Uh, and while I wouldn't vote for her in a general election, particularly on our differences with uh, climate change solution, a woman's right to bodily autonomy or uh, incarceration rates, I think a vote for Nikki Haley is, helps diminish Trump's influence in the RNC and their nomination, but is also a vote towards democracy. And Christian is emblematic of so many conversations that I've had here throughout the day. Rachel? All right, that's CNN for you. It's very serious stuff. A lot of money spent on graphics and scary music. It's kind of funny to me. It's like, is that Brian Stelter's uncle? They were like, we fired that one portly uh, asexual guy. Get me somebody else to analyze the number. Somebody a little uh, older. He'll be more trustworthy. Uh, anyway, it's just worth noting. Again, I don't have to reiterate it again. It's just worth noting who those crossover people went to. And you can either then say, okay, that means that they're not really Republicans and they'll never vote for a Republican. Or you could say, oh, these are people who could potentially vote for a Republican like Nikki. They just will not vote for Trump. The orange man, he's the target of all of this. Oh, we got to get rid of him. Even when there's an election and the poll numbers turn into actual votes, which, folks, that's going to happen in this November. And so they self-analyze it. You heard the first data point that that uh, reporter came up with regarding those registered. He was glorious to say this. 70% of those that voted for Nikki Haley were registered undeclared. So what does that mean to you or me? Well, to me, it means a bunch of Democrats legally went, they're New Hampshire residents, they're big-time Democrats, and they're scared Trump's going to be president. So they went to the voter registration office, which is legal in New Hampshire up to a certain point, And they changed their registration from 
Democrat to undeclared, and therefore they could vote in this election, and they voted for Nikki Haley. Hey, hey, hey! He was gleeful about it. Hey, look at look at this. There, he didn't mention that these are people that did do the crossover, but that's exactly what they did. And we heard that Nikki Haley's votes that were actually by Republicans in that New Hampshire primary, 70% of them, it was only 70% that excuse me, that Republicans voted for. And there's another little problem that's floating out there in the world about Nikki Haley regarding who's giving her buttloads full of money. There are multiple mega donors that are giving Nikki Haley money and they're Democrats, registered Democrats and proud of it, but they're campaigning with Nikki just because they do not want Donald Trump in the White House. And they keep coming up with this falderall. They can't quite nail it down and figure out what's going on. So they got to find some answers. They got to be able to go on the air. MSNBC, CNN, oh my gosh, we got to make ourselves relevant. The, the voters, they're leaning towards Donald Trump. We can't let that happen. We can't control him. We've got to go all in. And all that matters is keep Trump from the White House. And so now they're beginning to threat. How wrong are the New Hampshire polls? I think a big question right now is will the polls be wrong? And will Nikki Haley do better than the polls are showing? Are you hearing from a lot of unexpected, uh, undecided voters who are still weighing their options? Yes, Meg, I actually have heard from. There particularly comes to mind at a Nikki Haley event. I talked to one man from Nashua, New Hampshire, who is a lifelong Democrat, and he said that because he's looking at President Biden's age, and he does, he thinks that he, he did what he needed to do in four years and wants someone new, um, really dislikes former President Trump, and came out on this past Sunday uh, to see Nikki Haley decide if he wanted to support her. He came away from that event a Nikki Haley supporter because he liked what she had to say. Wow. Isn't that spectacular? How much of this is going on around? We'll never know. Nobody will ever give the real numbers on this. But what they're trying to do is with every little arrow in their quiver, they're trying to do anything, say anything. It doesn't matter if it's not true. They're going to throw it out there, put it in their bow, and bam, they're going to shoot everybody they can to try to convince them that everybody else is going this way, so you better go this way. James Carville, his own wife nicknamed him years ago Serpent Head. He came out yesterday on MSNBC, and he went postal. If you don't know who he is, he's a, a very prominent Democrat strategist and political commentator. He's been around and in the public eye since the Clinton era. So he was on MSNBC's The Beat yesterday, and he came completely unhinged. He came unhinged, (laughs) and he's talking about unhinged former President Donald Trump. And here's what Carville said. Trump could win the presidential election because the media is normalizing him, Donald Trump. Here's what he said, Carville. I would start 
Trump said this is not typical. He's exactly right. This is not a typical election. And there's a massive effort to normalize this. You see, the New York Times column saying that Trump people have a case, you should see the head of J.P. Morgan Chase, the largest bank in the United States, saying they're right about some things. You have reporters with Jason Miller in the Fort Des Moines Hotel, which reminds me of a bunch of German reporters in some Munich bar in 1935 saying, hey, Goring, he was an entertaining guy. He had some great stories. He's comparing that, of course, to Donald Trump. Back to Carmel. Nothing is normal about this at all. If you watch his speech last night, it was completely unhinged. What I'm obsessed with is stop treating him like he's a normal candidate. But Carmel always comes in for a last shot. His shot. If you look at this, there's a chance that Trump could win this election. And the way he wins is he is treated as a normal candidate. Like you got your views and he's got his views. No, he's been found to be a rapist by a jury, which is a lie, by the way, but it's good for the news. Why, every time the New York Times should put Donald Trump, who was found by a jury to have raped a woman, comma, said this. First of all, he was not convicted of rape at all. And just so you know, the number one piece of evidence in that New York City trial that happened, it happened more than 20 years ago. The person that made the charges and was there and put the whole testimony together that this New York leftist judge used to convict Donald Trump of uh, Donald Trump of sexual stuff, but it wasn't rape. wasn't rape. She didn't remember where it happened. She didn't remember when it happened, and she didn't report it to anybody. No one was there to corroborate what she said, which was very little. But the judge let the prosecutor talk through all this kind of stuff about her feelings and the pain and yada, 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 yada. So from all of that, this is where Serpent Head came up with his collusion that Donald Trump is unhinged. He continued, this is his last statement, the public doesn't know. We are ill-informing the public of just what a wretched human being this man is. There is a giant effort to try to normalize this. Let me get you to think for a second. Serpent Head didn't just show up. He's been around for years. He's come out and he has kind of been negative about Trump in the past, but he went amazingly quiet during Trump's four years as president. Well, he couldn't go crazy like he does now because Trump hadn't done anything with which wasn't successful that he could use. And so now they are lined up on the left. Every section of the federal government, top to bottom, where every Democrat sits, that's one thing you got to say and admit about the Democrat Party. They always do everything in lockstep. And only now, only now, 
people like James Carville are recognizing that Democrat voters around the nation have been living through Joe Biden in office and their lives have come undone. And they're looking for answers. And Joe Biden, the author of almost everything that initiated the undoing of people's lives in dramatic fashion, he's not taking accountability for it. In fact, he's bragging about how great it is. Bidenflation. No, he calls it Bidenomics. But it's really Bidenflation. And yeah, things have gotten a little better the past few months. But we're so far away from where we were when Donald Trump left office, they'll never get back to it, but they won't admit it. They say, the unemployment numbers are down. GDP is up more than ever. It's not more than ever. It's more than when you were president and after you ran it down to where it was really, really, really bad, it's come up a little bit, but we'll never get back on his watch back to normal. People are beginning to understand this really is a big deal. This is really bad, and our government has sole responsibility for it, and they're not giving us any real concrete ideas of how to change it. Wouldn't it be smart for them if they really want the American people to sign into their agenda, first of all, put somebody up there that has the ability to prove their agenda will work better than the one we have. It wouldn't be hard to find somebody to do it from where it is today back to where it was when Trump left office. It'd be easy. Nobody'd have to really work hard. But the first thing you got to do is acknowledge you've messed up. You've done bad things. You've hurt innocent people by the things you forced Americans to do and put your minions out, giving them authority to follow through with, in many cases, illegal activities. On that alone, Joe Biden could be impeached tomorrow. We won't even go down that road. It's really, really a long road, and I don't, I don't want to get there. It'd take too much time, and it would be rehashing things that we know about. And if you're like me, I don't want to think about bad stuff all the time. So typically when I hear something and I think it might have some viability, I'll listen to it, I'll analyze it, and if it's not real or I think it's maybe real but not critical, I'll file it away in the circle file. In other words, I'll put it away. I don't want to fret about it. Don't fret about anything you can't change or be a part of change. If you can't, Walk away. I mean, why not just wait till you get a chance to, to change something that's bad before you go nuts? We call that an election. <laughs> Yesterday, I think probably the most in-the-tank member of the Biden administration, he went face-to-face with Martha McCallum of Fox News. She directly, Martha did, She told White House National Security Council spokesperson John Kirby, former admirable, admirable, admiral. You throw the B in if it's really good. His is far from being good. During an interview yesterday, she told him that the administration's border policies are failing. He won't admit it. Well, he can't. Joe Biden won't admit it. You know, his boss. Kirby said the administration is determined to change the way border officials process migrants entering the U.S., and to crack down on illegal immigration. 
He cited the administration's national security supplemental request, which is not going to be passed. It would allocate additional funding to add more Border Patrol agents. That's the sole thing they are beating the drum with every day, trying to make Americans believe that all this stuff at the southern border would go away overnight if Republicans let loose the money to hire 1,300 more immigrant Border Patrol agents. 1,300. Martha McCallum said President Biden does appear to take action at the border as he has the power to issue executive actions. In other words, you don't have to go you don't have to go to the House or the Senate to do it. She said, so it doesn't seem like he has a lot of fire in his belly, John, to stop people from entering. It seems that he's okay with the opposite. No, Martha. Kirby said, I kind of would disagree with you. I don't think he's lacking any sense of urgency about the need for border security at all. And he has taken some executive actions, like putting U.S. troops down there to help take off some of the Border Patrol, some of their tasks and some of their responsibilities so that they can focus on immigration work itself. McCallum and Kirby addressed the Biden administration's request to cut razor wire installed at the border by Texas officials. They did so to help mitigate the influx of migrants around the country. The Supreme Court ruled in favor of the administration Monday with Associate Justice Amy Coney Barrett and Chief Justice John Roberts ruling in favor with the liberal justices. Kirby said the White House opposed the razor wire since it allegedly prevented Border Patrol agents from accessing certain areas to fulfill their duties. Why don't those guys fulfill their duties? And it's because Joe Biden doesn't want them to. Now back to what this story says about Amy Coney Barrett and John Roberts, both Republicans ruling in favor of the Biden administration. Here's what this whole conversation comes down to. Border control, top to bottom is the sole responsibility of the federal government. And what the suggestion of these Republican Supreme Court justices are, we want to force the Biden administration, we want to enforce the fact and not take actions that are arbitrary like Texas National uh, uh, officers putting up wire across the southern border at the river to help keep these people out. We want Texas to take action that will get to the Supreme Court that questions the responsibility of the federal government when the federal government doesn't act it's okay for Texas and any other states to act to protect their citizens. It needs to go through the legal process before it comes to the federal government, comes to the Supreme Court. That is what Greg Abbott did with, you heard the top of the show, the conversation we had there where he, he actually 
put the Biden administration on notice for constitutional specific violations and the right the Constitution gives in a case of an emergency, which Joe Biden called the southern border issue an emergency. He's saying what the Constitution said would be the only reason for states to legally take action against the federal government would be if the federal government doesn't do what the Constitution says the government is supposed to do to take care of Texas and every one of the other 49 states. You say there's no lack of urgency. This is back to Kirby. He's been president for three years. This is not just the same old immigration issue we've heard going on for a decade, as he said the other day. These are record numbers all the time. That's McCallum. And people in Iowa and New Hampshire are the ones who are expressing concerns about it. This isn't Arizona and Texas. This is Iowa and New Hampshire. So I don't think that people sense there's any urgency to address this. In fact, I talked to lots of voters over the past few weeks, she said, who said they think the opposite has happened, and they're trying to figure out why the president won't do what he can do to stop it. Kirby said there's a limit on the executive actions the president can pass to address the border. There's not. There really isn't, as long as he's addressing the border problem according to the rule of law. And therefore, Kirby said he needs support from Congress. He then argued the White House's discussions with the Senate have been progressing. Well, they can't do it by themselves. I mean, they're not, McCallum responded. And you say he's been concerned about it for three years, but that's failing, obviously, because when you have record numbers of people coming in, that means the policy's not working. So why not change gears and try something else that works? What do I tell you here every week or so? If you want something changed, what part of it you can change Nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change if nothing is changed. Kirby, I think it's important to put this in context. You're seeing, as you rightfully said, record numbers of people. It's not just the United States that are facing that pressure. Lots of countries in the hemisphere, including Mexico, is facing a lot of pressure at their own southern border. I mean, There are more people on the move in this hemisphere right now than there has been since World War II. I don't know why in the heck he would even even throw that out. What What does that have? What does Mexico and their immigration problems have to do with us? We have no responsibility over them. And by the way, we can't even take care of our own border. McCallum asked, John, do we have a border? Do we have a southern border? Kirby said, Do what? 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 Do we have a southern border, she repeated, to which he answered yes. Kirby assured all of us that the administration is working very hard to combat the record numbers of migrant apprehensions, a record high of nearly 300,000 migrants crossed the border in December, yada, yada, yada. You know the story. They're not giving us any answers. They're not doing anything about it. So... The Senate deal that at the top of the show, we gave you some of the stuff that's leaking out of it. A little more information has come out. Most recently, the Congressional Budget Office issued a bombshell report that suggested that about 860,000 illegals are known to have crossed the border undeterred by Border Patrol agents 
in fiscal year 2023. That's a record. The figure indicates that illegal gotaways who came into the country last year outnumbered and illegal alien apprehensions at the border in fiscal year 2019. These gotaways outnumber the combined populations of Kansas City and St. Louis, the two largest cities in Missouri. That's what Senator Josh Hawley is from Missouri, wrote in a letter to DH Secretary Mayorkas. At the very least, the letter said, you owe the American people full transparency into what your department knows about illegal immigrants who have come here without being stopped or tracked. It's abundantly clear that the longer you remain in office, the worse the crisis at our southern border gets. The yearly number of gotaways has increased dramatically under your watch, up from nearly 600,000 in fiscal year 2022, more than double the 389,000-plus in fiscal year 21. All told, nearly 2 million illegal immigrants have successfully come into the country evading border officials, 2 million. And those are the ones we know about. Furthermore, though your department still has not yet released official numbers, border officials report they encountered more than 300,000 illegals at the southern border last month, which would be an all-time high. These unprecedented figures underscore the need for you to be fully transparent about your department's own accounting of the southern border crisis. Hawley is, by the way, asking Mayorkas for a full accounting of illegal alien gotaways. In total, here's your numbers. CBO report claims that Biden's DHS has welcomed, that's their term, welcomed, about 6.2 million illegal aliens to the U.S. since 2021. This is a foreign population far above annual U.S. births and more than twice the size of Chicago, Illinois. How many of those gotaways are criminals, drug smugglers, or terrorists? By definition, there's no way to know until it's too late. That's from Andrew Arthur, who writes for the Center for Immigration Studies. Honestly, I don't even know why we keep giving you this information. What can you do about it? What can I do about it? What can any of us do about it? I don't think we can do anything but hold those accountable that we elect and they take an oath of office to protect the U.S. Constitution and to abide by the rule of law. The rule of law is determined by the Constitution in cahoots with the U.S. Congress and all the legislation that comes out of Congress that are signed into law. Every one of these people that work for Biden and any other president, and by the way, any other elected official at the federal level in the United States of America, they take an oath. I'm going to make sure the southern border is safe, not in those words, but to protect the rule of law. They're not doing it. Well, why doesn't the House, why doesn't the House Republicans, why don't they get in there and give them the money they need? Well, because giving them money for 1,300 new Border Patrol agents, every other thing the Biden administration has gotten for border security, they screw it up. 
They don't do what they tell in the legislation they're going to do because they know they cannot and will not be held accountable for it. And they just spend it on the whatever stuff they want. And, and don't question that. If you don't believe that, go check it out. Look at the executive orders. More executive action taken by Joe Biden than any other president in history. And the number one action that he has taken in violation of laws is writing checks. Paying people and doing things that really have no business being done. And his answer when he's asked about it, he quit saying this, but at first he would chuckle a little bit about it and would say, Oh, I know it'll be tested in court, but to get all the way to the top of the federal system will take years, and by that time that ever would happen, we'll have put everything we wanted to do in place. So in other words, I'm above the law. We're not, we're not brandishing somebody using that term just because it's an election season. We should take that position for everybody in our government, anytime it happens, not just during election season, but we don't do that. I've got a nasty bit of news to give to you, really nasty. I told you at the top of the show today's a bunch of big stuff. This one's very, very troubling to me because it involves kids again. That's next. This is the sound of regular water droplets. This is the sound of vitamin water droplets. Regular water, vitamin water. Regular water, vitamin water. Hey, come on now. Vitamin water. It has vitamins, but also parties. You love chocolate. Mm. Chocolate. You love M&M's. Oh, yes. But your tastes have grown up, and you're just not wild about super sweet milk chocolate, so you've been avoiding M&M's. Yeah. Well, fear no more. Huh? M&M's dark chocolate to the rescue. My heroes. M&M's dark chocolate candies. Available wherever fine candies are sold. Have you heard about Blank Slate yet? It's the best board game. In fact, Blank Slate has quickly become the new favorite with everybody around here. It's very simple. Unlike other games, no one gets embarrassed. Blank Slate is all about having fun, right? That's what we want. It's perfect for when you get the fam together or play with friends online because it's a game that everyone can get into. And if you need proof, just check out any of the hundreds of five-star reviews. It's basically selling out. So get Blank Slate now at Target, Barnes & Noble, or wherever you buy games. Have a seat. Where's the food? What kind of meeting is this? There's no food. We just said that so you would show up. What? No food? There's someone we think you should talk to. Hey, Dan, your co-workers told me you haven't done your taxes. I just want to say, you can call a TurboTax Live CPA for help. We'll help you get your refund and get back to your life. You'd really do that for me? Yeah, Dan. It's literally my job. Thanks, guys. So there's no snacks? Nothing? I brought kale. TurboTax Live. Now with CPAs on demand. CBS, NBC, ABC, MSNBC, CNN. An alphabet soup of lies, myths, and disinformation. For real nutrition, you need a full plate of truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. 
Before we get to the end of the show today, Jim Jordan, the Judiciary Committee in the House of Representatives, they had a hearing yesterday, and it's about a new appearance by a couple of those uh, whistleblowers regarding the weaponization of the Department of Justice against dissenting opinions about things and censoring and actually taking actions to shut the mouths of conservative reporters. You don't want to miss this one. It gets kind of ugly in the hearing, too. But the story I averted to is a poll has come out, and it's really sad. Over half of Democrats that answered this poll, over half of Democrats support aborting babies with no exception, no real regulation. Babies that have Down syndrome. When respondents were asked, do you strongly support, support, oppose, or strongly oppose abortion because a kid will be born with Downs? 56% of Democrats say they support such abortions. 42% oppose it. Democrats are at odds with the overall poll respondents. 58% of who disagree with aborting babies because they're going to be born with Downs 39% of overall respondents say they agree with aborting babies with Down syndrome. Republicans, in comparison, just as a point of reference, Republicans, 75% and independents, 58%, are overwhelmingly against the practice in contrast to their Democrat counterparts. However, 24% of Republicans and 39% of independents think babies with Down syndrome should be killed by abortions rather than being born. The finding is part of a Knights of Columbus Marist poll on abortion released before the 2024 March for Life. It was conducted, just so you know, 1,371 adults between January 9th, 2024 and January 10th, with results statistically significant and within the margin of error. That poll also found that a strong majority of Americans support abortion limits and pregnancy resource centers. Democrat support, however, of aborting babies with Down harkens to the eugenics movement in Denmark. In 2004, Denmark became one of the first countries to offer prenatal Down syndrome screening to every pregnant woman. Now, that eugenics thing here of late, it just keeps popping up. What is that? It's the thought and, in many cases, acceptance of controlling the population. Controlling the population. How do you do that? Well, you can only do it in two ways. You affect or impact the beginning of pregnancy where people that grow in number, obviously, by being born... So you have to control population on that end, which would be restricting babies being born somehow. And then on the other end, they have to be terminated. And the government in these cases worldwide where eugenics is used, the government takes charge of who gets to live and who dies. But folks, when you talk about a Down syndrome kid, gosh, how can you justify 
Take in the life of a kid. Well, that baby's not alive yet. When you abort them, they're not alive yet. You can argue that question till the cows come home. They are. And don't get in to start slicing the pie and saying, well, what about this and what about this? What about... I've been through this a hundred times. It's not worth discussing. It's not. There is no... It's just like this transgender stuff and this identity, sex identity policies that are being normalized here, people can, you have the right to believe anything that you want. It doesn't matter. But you don't have the right to indiscriminately determine what is going to happen to somebody before they are born or for you to have the right to pick when they're going to die. That's what this is all about. Down syndrome is a genetic condition where a person is born with an extra copy of chromosome 21. What does that mean? It means they have a total of 47 chromosomes instead of 46. You and I, if we're not Down syndrome related, we're 46 chromosomes. This can affect their brain and body development. People diagnosed with Down syndrome have happy and healthy lives with supported care. And this is coming from the Cleveland Clinic. Not so much really, really um, open or against these operations. And they noted that the life expectancy for a person diagnosed with Down syndrome is 60 or older. And so you're going to take a child's life that based on the average numbers, life years numbers for people who are with Down syndrome is 60 and even older. They're not sick. They're just a little bit different than us. And so they're trying to normalize. Oh, it's okay. Go ahead and do it. How can they in good conscience do that? You just can't do it. You can't do it. Before we get to the... um, Judicial Committee hearing that I told you about where Jim Jordan really gets into the middle of it. Listen to this about Mark Zuckerberg. He's kind of been quiet since he got busted for all the stuff that happened in the 2020 election. Hadn't said much. But he's digging a deeper hole. He's fiddling with Facebook's algorithm and him doing so is already sending shockwaves through the media. CNBC reports that Meta, that's a parent country, a company of uh, Facebook, reports are that Meta's withdrawal from its role as a distributor of news content has marked a big change in the digital news media ecosystem. Many publishers are claiming they're facing a major reduction in traffic following the change. This strategic shift for Zuck initially announced in September last year, has left to the deprecation of its Facebook news tab around the world. This move was part of Mark Zuckerberg's claimed goal of aligning its investments with products and services that users value most. You want me to interpret that? Follow the money. We want to make more money. According to a study by Chartbeat, which analyzed 2,000 news and media websites, 
Facebook's contribution to overall social traffic measured by page views plummeted from 50% to 33% as of last December. This decline was also reflected in referral numbers from social media and search engines, with Facebook's share dropping significantly. Zuck's decision to pull away from news distribution It was influenced by a bunch of different factors, including the years of public relations challenges related to misinformation and account censorship controversies. These issues had brought intense scrutiny and criticism from a bunch of different political areas, with conservative politicians accusing Meta of leftist bias and others criticizing its role in the 2016 presidential election. It's kind of hard to go back and change that, isn't it? They did everything they could to stop Donald Trump from being elected in 2016 and, by the way, to be reelected in 2020. Publications like Mother Jones reportedly experienced a big reduction in traffic referrals from Facebook. So the decline in traffic from Facebook has forced many media outlets to come up with their own strategies for audience engagement, which turns into revenue. This adaptation has included a greater emphasis on other distribution channels like uh, Google, another biggie, which has seen an increase in its share of external traffic to news sites. So it all began when they were getting a really large amount of heat from Washington, D.C. I'm talking about Facebook, Meta, Zuckerberg. Are you a social media company or are you a news company? You've got to make a determination so regulations, the right ones, can be put in place. And Zuckerberg pushed them away month after month, year after year, and finally they put their foot down. And it's costing him money. Oh, my gosh. Some other media companies have also been exploring alternative platforms like YouTube and diversifying their content strategies to include newsletters and apps. And that just rang a bill with me. I Almost every day, I'll get an email from another news source, not a big news agency, not one of the television outfits, not one of the podcasters. I get them from little websites and I'm not diminishing little websites. Ours is not a monster. Sometimes on this show, which is a product of truthnewsnet.org, we have hundreds of thousands of people that read some stories. So we're giving business. We're giving news. We're giving information away. So if the federal government stepped in, they would probably determine truthnewsnet.org is a news entity and therefore we would rely and have to fall under all of the rules that the government takes to make a differentiation between a news outlet and a media outlet. These changing dynamics of the way we distribute our news and consumption of social media ideas and patterns have also seen newer platforms like TikTok, you know, China's TikTok, gaining popularity as news sources, although their role in driving traffic to media outlets remains limited. And the only reason I brought this up was to make sure you know this 
this may not even apply to you. It may not mean anything to you right now. But whether or not these changes are good or bad and what should or could be done with any of it, that's up in the air. But you need to know about it. When when you get down on some of these issues to the ground level and you're forced to make a decision or a choice, you need to have the facts. And so we're going to keep coming to you with information like this, especially on one operation that's so important and so monstrous and makes so much difference in a lot of things that we live through, Facebook, Meta. So I mentioned to you about this hearing that took place, more controversy, more discussion about the weaponization of the DOJ against people and free speech. Now, at the top of this, at the very beginning of this, you're going to hear a lady being asked some questions in a conversation during the chamber, during this hearing, between her and and uh, the chairman of that committee. She is a member of the House of Representatives. I want to make sure you understand that because these are two Congress people that are going after each other. Mr. Chairman, I'm not exaggerating when, when I say that you have called before you two witnesses who pose a direct threat to people who oppose them. It's funny when people have to go through that. Exactly. This is unacceptable. I'm ready for it. I don't know if a lot of other people are. But just as it was unacceptable for Kevin McCarthy to provide 41,000 hours of sensitive security footage to a biased talking head in an effort to rewrite what happened on January 6th, this is a new Republican playbook, apparently. Mr. Risk Chairman, American safety and security on, to score political points. The gentlelady's we, word should be struck. We do not accuse witnesses of threatening others. That is out of line and I'm outside the rules of this committee. I'm not that, and I can have an You don't get to determine what's what struck down. Well, you, do, you, you do get an opening statement, and it, it's, and about, so let it's me about over. The committee will suspend. We know this is because at the first hearing, the chairman claimed that big government and big tech colluded to shape and mold the narrative and suppress information and censor Americans. This is a false narrative. We're engaging in false narratives here, and we are going to tell the truth. I yield back. Gentlelady uh, yields back. I would just point out the consent decree was in our report. We offered your staff also the opportunity to review the FTC letters. You have not come over to review those letters. Third, the idea that I believe both of these individuals who are getting ready to testify, I believe they're both Democrats. The idea that two journalists who Did happen to be Democrats. Did you not give Democrat, that offer you know, at 8 o'clock last I'm night? now. Your time was, rec- uh, was uh, ended uh, Neither of ago. us are in time. I don't think they're here to help us politically. I think they're here to ha- tell us the truth. And oh, by the way, the first FTC letter to Twitter after the first set of Twitter files, the very first question was who are the journalists you're talking to? And you guys don't care. You don't care. You, you care don't want about the, the 2011 people to see. Decree? You don't want the American people to see what happened, the full video, transparency. You don't want that, and you don't want two journalists who have been named personally by the Biden administration, FTC, in a letter. The Biden administration. And you're saying is they're not here the to FTC. help us. They're here to tell their story. And frankly, I think they're brave individuals for being willing to come after they've been named in a letter from the Biden FTC. 
Is this your question time now? No, I'm responding to your ridiculous oh. statements you made in your, in your opening statement. Okay, well, let's get on with it. Oh, now we want to get on with it. So you I can did. say all the things you want. I, I did in my facts. opening statement as well as you had an opening statement. You said what you needed to say in your opening statement, and I, as the ranking member, have Without used objection, my time. Without objection, all other opening statements will be included in the record. We will introduce today's witness, Matt Taibbi. About the weapon, weaponization of, of the government against free speech, which is certainly what we're fighting. I, I, thank you. My time has expired, but I appreciate your understanding of our committee. I have a different understanding. I yield back. Well, you got the wrong understanding. Last week in the, in the full Judiciary Committee hearing, I introduced into the record a story of a left-wing journalist who said that, that talked about the FBI putting a paid informant, a felon, in the Black Lives Matter movement in Denver. I want to focus on the First Amendment just like protecting the First Amendment, just like these guys Point do. of order, Mr. Chair. Are you going to respond after every? No, I'm everything? taking my five minutes. This is I your, can take oh, my your five minutes. Oh, your, it's your five minutes I can now. I take my five minutes when 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 I want to, and I'm taking my five minutes. Okay, now. great. Yeah, thank you. And well, I would ask for an additional few seconds for being interrupted by the ranking member. Um, but the the truth is, we want to focus on protecting the First Amendment. Mr. Schellenberger, are you a Republican? No, I'm not. Do you got a, you got any you know pro Trump bumper stickers on your car? I voted for Biden. Voted for Biden. You don't know have any MAGA hats laying around your house, right? I do not. Yeah, but you said earlier, both you and Mr. Taibbi said, this is the most chilling thing you've ever seen as journalists. Mr. Taibbi, the same thing. You're not a Republican either, right? No, no. I'm not. You didn't vote for Trump. I mean, like, this is about protecting the First Amendment. Mr. Taibbi, I want to read from your uh, Twitter file number nine. You say this. After weeks of Twitter files, the Bureau issued a statement Wednesday, referring to the FBI. Here's what the FBI said. It is unfortunate that conspiracy theorists and others are feeding the American public misinformation with the sole purpose of attempting to discredit the agency. You then follow up. And this is why I think you're an award-winning author. You then follow up. They must think we're unambitious if our sole aim is to discredit the FBI. After all, a whole range of government agencies discredit themselves in the Twitter files. And then you go on to, in this particular Twitter file, to talk about what Mr. Bishop was just talking about, the GEC at the State Department. You talk about the CIA. You talk about the DOD. You talk about the FBI. You talk about the DHS. You talk about the Foreign Intelligence Task Force, which is a combination of all these. But there was one agency you didn't mention because you didn't know at the time. One agency, one, you had almost the whole alphabet, but you didn't mention one agency, the FTC. The F, because sure. you, you know about them now. <laughs> yes, we you do. know about them now in an up close and personal way. You didn't know then, but you do know, uh, know, know now. December 2nd, as I said earlier, December 2nd, the first Twitter file comes out, Mr. Taibbi. And I think there are five others, including the ones from Mr. Schellenberger. December 13th, the very first letter that the FTA, uh, FTC sends to Twitter after the Twitter files, 11 days after the first Twitter file, there have been five of them come out. The FTC's first demand in that first letter after the Twitter files come out is identify all journalists, I'm, I'm quoting, identify all journalists and other members of the media to whom Twitter worked with. You find that scary, Mr. Taibbi, that you got a federal government agency asking a private company, who in the press are you talking with? Yeah, I, I do find it scary. I, I, I think it's none of the government's business what... Uh, which journalists a private company talks to and why. Um, I think every journalist should be concerned about that and the absence of interest in that issue by um, uh, my fellow colleagues in the mainstream media is an indication of how low the business has sunk. Uh, there was once a real esprit de corps and camaraderie 
uh, within media. Whenever one of us was uh, gone after, we all kind of rose to the challenge and supported. Used to be. Yeah. Used to be the case. Um, that is gone now. Uh, we, we don't protect one another. You know what another. else used to happen? Democrats used to care about protecting First Amendment free speech rights too. Now it's like, okay, if you're attacking, and I said this on the House floor, I said, don't think they won't come for you. Oh, the, the, the big tech, big media, the cancel culture, they may come for Republicans and conservatives now, but they never, the mob is never satisfied. They will keep coming. Mr. Schellenberger, you know who the chair of the FTC is? Uh, not personally. Lena Kahn. Lena Kahn. You know who she used to work for? My understanding is the Judiciary Committee. Yeah, she's worked for these folks. The same folks have been attacking you today. Same folks. Chair of the FTC. Worked for them. Here's what they said. Here's what she said in, one, in a letter where they ask about who these journalists. Again, they named four personally, four journalists by name. You were two of the four. As I said before, I think it's, it's frankly courageous and brave of you to show up today when you know the federal government's got an eye on you personally. Here's what they asked for in that letter. Any credentialing or background check Twitter has done on journalists. Now think about that. The federal government is saying we want you to do a background check on members of the press. Freedom of the press mentioned in the First Amendment. And they're doing ba- They want Twitter to do a background check on you before they can talk to you in America the FTC, led by Lena Khan, who used to work for these guys, is asking that question. Now, 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 now we know, now we all know why you guys said at the outset, this is the most chilling story. And you guys are New York Times bestsellers, award-winning uh, journalists. But in all your, your time in the, in the journalism field, this issue, most important. And how this, I think, what did you call it, Mr. Schellenberg, this is complex, what did you call it, the Censorship industrial complex. Totally. This web of censorship, big government, big tech, NGOs, all this web of censorship that Mr. Bishop was getting into in his line of questioning. That's what this committee is going to get to. And that's not right or left. That's not, this is just right or wrong. This is wrong. We know it's wrong. And it's about protecting the First Amendment. That is a scary thing to even think about. But it's happening today. It's been building for many, many years when Democrat primarily administrations are in charge. Remember Barack Obama got busted because he literally went after, secretly went after a Fox journalist and almost destroyed this man's life and his career. They were committed because he wrote stories and did stories live on air that told things about Barack Obama, things going on in his administration and in his life that were important things and justifiably the American people should know about. That was where the beginning of this weaponization by our government against us first showed up. And it's been totally legitimized by the Department of Justice's since. Donald Trump's on DOJ. They went after him. Gosh, it was unbelievable. Americans couldn't believe it when we saw it unfolding. We thought something's not right here. And what's not right is this government. This government is the Biden administration, Joe Biden's government. They are totally weaponizing themselves using against those who are different minded on political issues and saying basically without saying it, we're coming after you because we don't like what you're doing. Forget about the First Amendment of the Constitution. 
and what it guarantees the American people. Forget about it. We talked about Steve Baker a little bit ago and what he's facing. They're having to do a Dallas, Texas open air press conference to send a letter that we published day before yesterday here to the Department of Justice, putting them on notice that their threats against a journalist named Steve Baker, they're trying to shut him up. They leaked it through some sources that got back to Steve. They purposely did that and have done it now for three years, warning him, we're coming after you, and they've told him four different times they're about to indict him, and they don't. They're just trying to scare him and shut him up. The last bit of blockbuster news that he found and dug up and presented in a story early last week that proved all the stuff that the leftist media and cahoots with Democrats in Congress published that there was a pipe bomb placed at the Democrat National Committee headquarters in D.C., but they had it all taken care of. This is the January 6th allegation. Well, for three years, they told us the person that found that was an anonymous bystander, and he talked to officials and turned it over to them or told them where it was before anything bad could happen. It was a Capitol Police guy that did the whole thing. Steve Baker got video visible evidence that totally changed the narrative of the truth of that matter. It was coordinated just like several other incidents like this have been done by Democrats in Congress. They're coming after us, folks. They are coming after us. Now, let's switch stories. We don't have much time left. I wanted to get to this one. I've talked to you even this week about Joe Biden's not going to make the trip. I can't see any way he can make it to November. And then I certainly can't see any way as most Americans right now. They're even out visibly pointing those things out and making recommendations for Joe Biden to stay indoors and not go into public areas and speak anymore. Who would replace him? Well, if he left right now, it'd be Michelle. Excuse me, it would be Kamala. She would assume the office of the presidency and Speaker of the House would move up to vice president. That would be our buddy, Mike Johnson. I don't think they want to see that happen. What I think is going to happen as we get into the selection cycle, probably in the spring, in the next couple of months, two or three months, we're going to find out that they've got a replacement for Joe Biden. Joe Biden's going to step down, and they'll come up with all kinds of reasons, but they'll be legitimate. I'm sure it'll have to do in part with his health. Principally, it'll be 100% with that. But if you look around the landscape, who could possibly step in and replace Joe in this upcoming election? And I keep coming back, there's only one Democrat that I think could do it, and that would be maybe Michelle Obama. A new report from the New York Times columnist Cindy Adams thinks that too. According to her report, former First Lady Michelle has her eyes on the presidency as big-time New York Democrat donors are testing the waters to gauge whether she would have the chance of being elected. As President Biden continues to flop in the polls, for the reasons you heard a little bit of yes, uh, just earlier in the show last hour, 
The Democrat Party is panicking to come up with a plan. They know literally anyone else on this planet has a better chance of being elected than Joe Biden. Adams suggests the plan involves a Manchurian incumbent who stays in the race through May and then abruptly steps aside, allowing Michelle Obama to secure the Democrat Party's nomination at its convention this summer in August. For now, Biden still play acts like he's a real candidate, she said. So Bill O'Reilly stepped in. You know who Bill O'Reilly is. He suggested it was almost inconceivable that the Democrat Party would renominate Biden, claiming that he has dementia and that the only hope for the left is to replace him with Michelle Obama. Bill O'Reilly's a high-level conservative podcaster. He pointed out that Biden has nothing scheduled for the coming months, adding that he is totally kept apart from the American people in every single way. Adams, the New York columnist, said that Michelle has pulled several donors who are credible sources. Few have access and usually not meant for the no noises of the media. Conservative podcaster Megan Kelly has also weighed in on that speculation. She said, I'm hearing more about this alleged reach out to Democrat donors by the Obamas to see if they would support it. Megan said, and the one thing I know is if she wants it, I believe she will get it. Earlier this month, Michelle Obama said she's terrified of another Trump presidency, said it keeps her up at night thinking about the possibilities. However, during an interview, Michelle Obama told Oprah she has zero interest in pursuing a White House career or politics in general. Just think about it. What kind of life does she have? Well, put it in the context of your life. She has a multi-million dollar home that's paid for, Martha's Vineyard. She has a massive mansion in Washington, D.C. that's paid for. And she has a wonderful house in Hawaii on the ocean that's paid for. They have 24-hour security paid for by the taxpayers, transportation anywhere they go. And of course, they have the vice presidential, I mean the presidential salary for the rest of Barack Obama's life. So she's got it pretty good. She recently, we reported here, she was flown to Europe to make a speech and was paid $700,000 for one speech. I think you'll agree they have a pretty good deal. Well, we're going to keep our eyes on it. So is everybody else in the nation. Every Democrat's praying she does it. And that's going to end today's show. Thank you so much for being here. We appreciate you. We never take you for granted. God bless you. You have a good day. And we're going to finish the week together. How do we do that? Well, we're going to sign on to TNN Live tomorrow morning at 9. See you then. They paid paradise and put up a fucking line With a pink hotel, a boutique, and a swinging hot spot Don't it always seem to go That you don't know what you got till it's gone They paid paradise and put up a fucking line Took all the trees and put them in a tree
till it's gone You'd be in paradise and put up a fucking line You don't 